This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome, guys, to another episode of the Town Talk Soccer Podcast. Since the Mosterco came in, it's been, it's, been, it's been a good spell. I mean, like last season, I, I predicted Chelsea to win the Champions League solely based on the fact that They've been very solid defensively. Like, I watched that team and it just looked like a team that was very difficult to beat, in my opinion. And I just didn't see how Manchester City were going to, should I say, to trouble Mendy more than Chelsea would potentially trouble Edison. My only hope for my prediction to come through was like the likes of Werner and Co. and taking chances. They were very wasteful, though, but at least uh, have it put one behind the back of the net. But now it's a totally different story. Totally different story. And I have no one better than Damilo Dusali to explain this to me. Damilo, you're welcome. How are you doing? Very fine, thank you, Tana. Great to have this opportunity to talk football, as you both know, or like as those who don't know, we actually have worked together, and football talking is one of the things that brought us. So it's good to have this opportunity. Honestly, bro, nice to have you again. Uh, so basically, how do you feel right now as a Chelsea fan? Like in this moment, what your season is like? How do you feel? Okay, so interestingly, it has been a very, very strange season, if you're looking from a Chelsea perspective, simply because, like you already mentioned, Chelsea are current champions of Europe, and it always feels like after a Champions League victory, there are very few ways in which you can actually take it a step higher, because the Champions League is literally the biggest competition any European club can win. But for Chelsea, the most important thing for this season would have been to close the gap on Liverpool and Manchester City to be able to at least be in something of a title race because Chelsea have not been in the title race since the last one the league which was back in 2017 under Antonio Conte. So you take a look at that as regards what the fans are expecting and on the back of what happened last season and you now put it with what has happened so far this season. It has not been a disappointing season because Chelsea finished fourth last season won the Champions League. This season, they've won two trophies already. That's the Super Cup as well as the Club World Cup. And the Club World Cup was very important because as a trophy, Chelsea had never won in their career. 
but it seems like we're back to the same issues. Chelsea from like January have not been able to stay in the title race with Manchester City and Liverpool. At a point, it felt like Chelsea were top of the table. I also felt like Chelsea had maybe closed the gap on Manchester City and Liverpool, but that has fallen apart. So if I'm going to grade the season, maybe give it a... I'm torn between a C plus and I think I'll give it a C plus. It will probably get a B minus if Chelsea go on to win the FA Cup because mm. that will be a third trophy for the season. But the fact that we're falling so far behind in the title race and it's obvious that we're still not closer to Man City and Liverpool, I don't think it can get higher than the C plus as of right now. Okay, you talked about how Chelsea, as you said, the first half of the season, they were actually they topped the table at some point, and like there was even yeah. a point, there was even a point in the season where it was like Chelsea, then Man City, and Liverpool. Then seemed like Man City, Chelsea. Then now, as it stands today in April, Liverpool and City, and then there's some separation. Then Chelsea, and when Chelsea were doing well, one thing, one thing everyone raved about, one thing everyone talked about, and one thing that you can call like the backbone of their results because as we know the strikers have not been clinical their numbers have been abysmal not getting enough goals so yep. one thing that has been very very crucial to Chelsea getting these good results has been their defence and recently Chelsea have been shipping in goals quite carelessly they've considered a lot of cheap goals and like it's just and also they've also started considering a lot of chances there was a phase where they now started considering a lot of chances but Mendy was like just playing like superhuman football and of course that's not sustainable right and yeah. after a while of still considering a lot of chances, then of course instead considering goals. So what has changed? Why? Why did this happen? Okay. Okay, so interestingly, you've already touched on, on some of it as regards why Chelsea are struggling, but I'll highlight the major one, especially if you look at recent games. Chelsea have been the architect of their own downfall. They are self-imploding. Basically, the major reason Chelsea have been considering so many goals. I know they just beat West Ham by a goal to nothing. It took a last gasp effort from Christian Pulisic to get Chelsea that win. And even in that game, Chelsea also gave out chances to West Ham. Yamalenko and Bowen could have done better in certain situations. But the major thing is the Chelsea players are making individual mistakes. Let's take the most recent performance. Before this West Ham game that happened today, a few minutes ago, the game against Arsenal. Take nothing away from the fact that Arsenal were clinical to score four goals. They weren't amazing at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea literally handed the game to them from the very first goal from Inketia. Christensen had the whole day to put the ball either into touch or play a better pass to Mendy. He decided to mess that up. And that's what gave Arsenal the first goal. Malangsa was culpable for the third goal. If you go back to the Real Madrid game, the second leg that Chelsea won 3-2, Ungolo Conte gave away the ball before Modric put that absolutely sublime pass. But if Conte doesn't give that ball away, Chelsea do not concede that goal. If you take a look at the first leg against Real Madrid, Edward Mendy conspired to give the ball to Karim Benzema to score his hat-trick in that particular game. I can go on and on. If you go earlier on in the season, there was the one against Manchester United where Jorginho laid the pass for Jadon Sancho to go on to score mm-hmm. the goals. And it seems like that was the start of Chelsea's defence being a little bit shaky. Because the first 20 games of the season for Chelsea, this season, the first 20 games, 12 clean sheets were kept. And Chelsea considered only 8 goals. In the first 12 games of the season, Chelsea did not concede more than one goal in any of those first 20 games. And they kept 12 clean sheets. Recent games now, Chelsea have considered, before the game today, Chelsea has considered 11 goals in three games at home. It's unheard of. Three against Real Madrid, four against 
Arsenal and then four against Brentford. Absolutely ridiculous. So the players are making individual mistakes. Some players who were holding themselves to really, really high standards of play in the Champions League run have dropped off. Number one on that list has to be N'Golo Conte, who at a point, it felt like even when Chelsea are messing up in midfield, he was always a one-man screen to get to cover the defence. He's misplacing passes. He's giving away possession. He's conceding free kicks. And even some of those runs that he used to make to eventually get the team on the front foot, he is being tackled and he's losing possession. So then there's the case of Jorginho missing the penalty today, who has become a liability to Chelsea after those shouts for the Ballon d'Or after he had a really, really good 2021. All of a sudden, he cannot seem to put a foot right. When he's pressed, he gets to lose possession. So it's a combination of so many things why Chelsea are conceding goals. I think another thing that has to be added is in defence, there's been a lot of issues with their best players with regards to injuries. Ben Chiwell has been out since, I think, November. And you know, when you look at Ben Chiwell to Marcos Alonso, defensively, there's a huge gap. Marcos Alonso is a defensive liability. He's slow. He spends a lot of time high off the pitch. And then he gets leap spaces in behind. And we're beginning to see issues with a little bit of Thiago Silva's anticipation. He's 37 years of age. He'll be 38, I think, in September. In the Real Madrid game over the two legs, he was a little sloppy in certain areas. And then people like Malangsa are getting to play way more minutes than they should. Forget the fact that he did relatively okay in the January spell against Spurs. I think Chelsea played three games in January against Spurs. And he was really good in those games. He's not the kind of player that should be starting for Chelsea. And was very obvious against Arsenal. So injuries, but most importantly, self-inflicted mistakes. It seems like the Chelsea defence just switches off mentally. And once there's a little bit of pressure, they get to crack. The difference between this season and last season is that last season they were switched on. And I think there was a bit of new manager bounce, actually, in the mm. second half of last season. He was a new manager. After the defensive struggles under Frank Lampard, everybody wanted to ensure that, oh, nobody points fingers to me as being the weak link in the defence. All of a sudden, those defenders are not able to replicate some of those performances. I see. Uh, but like as regards the new manager bounce, like I feel like that's something that's very common. But I, I just I just didn't think so, you know, because apart from that, like you know, Thomas Tuchel also rotates the squad a lot. So it's not like you know when you have like for example you come in as a new manager, you you make your first few I don't know your first few training sessions, your first few exercises, still trying to like maneuver the team and like find your best team. Maybe like after some weeks you have this team that you're going with and everyone is killing themselves and maybe for a while there's that. But it just looked like this team was so well drilled, everyone in their positions like. Tactically, it was just hard to like. I remember watching Chelsea at Anfield, even though this was during Liverpool's like abysmal run last season. Yeah, uh, but still, like it, it just looked like. I mean, Chelsea weren't like overly creating on the other end, so it's not like they were always playing like very brilliant football. But it was just that defensive solidity, and I don't mean like last ditch defending, like we saw with maybe Prime Juventus, or we've even seen them with like Chelsea sometimes this season, where maybe the opposition are piling up a lot of pressure, and you see people like Rudiger yeah. or, or Mendy. I'm talking about you're not even testing them that much, like they just look so solid. So, I don't yeah, know. I think, yeah. Okay, go on. No, no, go you on. go on. You go on. That's it. That's it. Go on. Okay, so, I, I understand that there's such a disparity between the high level of performances that Chelsea had last season. Because Thomas Sokol joined, I think, on the 25th of January last year. And then, immediately, he joined. The very first game was a goalless draw against Wolves. And then, Chelsea were able to snuff the life out of Wolves in the Gikundu score. And that set a template 
for us and then going forward we became very 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 difficult to break down now here's what happens the team has had issues with injury with the likes of Conte, Jorginho, Kovacic in midfield, whoever has had to step into midfield. And when you look at what Tom Mosoko did with the setup when he came in, he moved to a back three to, to mitigate some of the issues in midfield. I say issues in midfield because no matter the midfield pairing that Chelsea play, there seems to be something lacking. If you play Kante, Kovacic and Jorginho, as still in the midfield, you lack any form of creativity going forward. If you play Jorginho and Kovacic on their own, you don't have anybody who is mobile enough and has that defensive acumen to be able to cover some of the spaces in behind. If you play Jorginho and Kante, there's nobody that can really drive the ball and put a pass going forward. But I think one thing that cannot be overstressed is the fact that the wing-backs for Ben Chilwell and Rich James, they are better at coping defensively in this Chelsea setup than the likes of Marcos Alonso and Cesar Spiliqueta. When Cesar Spiliqueta has played as a right wing back this season, despite the fact that he's very, very okay at playing as a right centre back, when he's put out wide as a wing back and he has to go one-on-one with some of the really pacey wingers, it becomes a problem. They get to get behind him based on speed. I already mentioned how Marcos Alonso on his day is not the kind of player that you want to have in a defensive situation. And I think a lot of the players are just suffering from inconsistency and mental fatigue. Ungolo Conte is a very prime example. He seemed to have played at such a really high level, but ever since Sarri was sacked as Chelsea coach and Lampard came in, he's been struggling with injuries ever since the Europa League final against Arsenal. That was in 2019. And it seems like this season has seen a major decline in his performances. So I think that is a major reason Chelsea's defence has become more leaky than it used to be. You mentioned how tactically they were structured. This was because players were performing at a high level and Thomas Tucker was able to put so much... I think that's even one of the reasons why Chelsea, going forward, did not get to score a lot of goals. Yes, they weren't converting some of their chances, but it felt like at certain points they were playing seven men in defence because the three centre-backs, the two wing-backs and the two people in central midfield. But it feels like more recently, Chelsea are trying to be a lot more possession-based. And when you're being a lot more possession-based, Chelsea have had more possession than almost all opponents at the state this season. Whenever they lose possession, which has happened a lot of times, they get turned over really, really quickly. And the likes of Jorginho, especially, are liabilities when they are defended in transition. Jorginho is not the fastest player. So, which is why I think um, when Jorginho was dropped against Southampton, that six new victory. You could see that the fluidity of Chelsea was totally different and they weren't as exposed defensively. Quite all right, Southampton can be a very, very crappy team if you're able to play through your press. But this is a major reason why the team has been struggling. Some of these players have not been at the level and there's only so much a coach can do. Yes, Tuchel has come in and set up a team that is tactically astute. But when these players start making individual mistakes, it was prevalent in the game today as well. Aspilicueta lost possession about four times and if it was against a better team, that would have been exploited. Trevor Chaluba did early on. I mentioned how Andres Christensen was culpable for the very first goal. And what that does in the minds of the players is they begin to second guess. Okay, so you made a mistake in the last game. We're going into this game. You are totally uncomfortable yeah. with the ball at your feet. You can see it every time Edward Mendes with the ball this season now. It seems like he's always very jittery. Yeah, he's either yeah, he puts yeah. the ball into touch or he hurries the pass and then he gets the ball to an opponent. So I think it's a 
there's something they say about wins breed a winning mentality and then losses do the opposite. So it's a case of Chelsea players have been making some little, little mistakes and it's beginning to play in their own head. It has become a cycle because every single Chelsea player, especially the defensive ones, have had a drop in form this season and it seems like once or twice, too many of them have had those issues at the same time. That's why if you look at some of the underlying numbers, against against Arsenal, Chelsea considered 2.5 for the XG. That was yeah. Arsenal's XG. If you look at the game against Brentford as well, it was about 2.1. The first leg against Real Madrid, it was 1.9. Earlier on in the season, Chelsea were not considering chances of up to 1.0 XG, which is why they were keeping so many clean sheets. And then, of course, we can't put it past Edward Mendy, the fact that his form has really dropped. Very similar to what is happening with Jano Black in Atletico Madrid this season. Yeah. His shot stopping has been way below par this this time this season. You talk about the Champions League run. Edward Mendy was one of the reasons that Chelsea went on to win the Champions League. They played seven games to Summer Circle, who came in and they considered just two goals. I remember two telling saves against Real Madrid, both from Benzema in was it the first or the second leg? Like, I can't remember, but one of the legs of the semi-final. But it seems like now this Chelsea team are making a lot more mistakes because they're trying to be more proactive on the ball and they're losing possession. This is this is very insightful. But I'm saying like from from a coaching perspective, is there anything you can you can you can say this is why this is why Chelsea are now considering more? Because you talked about the X Gen, of course, with if you're considering more chances, then it's only a matter of time before you start considering more goals. And that's happened. Yeah, Mendy's performance dropped, and once that happened, then the floodgates opened because he was just at some point this season, especially like in the first half of the season, he was just unbelievable. It was just like yeah. it just seemed nothing can get past him. So from that perspective, and I know individual errors, but isn't there more to it? Like maybe as a team tactically, because I mean, if you're analyzing, if, I'm, I'm sure if the coaches are analyzing, they can't just like pick on individual errors during the film session, for example. Right. There has to be something yeah, that but, the team is doing. Yeah, but, but I think if I can remember Thomas Tuchel's presser post-Arsenal game, he talked about how, how of the 11 goals that the team has considered in the last three home matches, they give out eight. And let, let's let's go over those goals individually. The first goal Arsenal scored, it was Christensen that made a direct error leading to the goal. The third goal, which was the one that Thiago Silva put a leg in and then Malangsa didn't sort his feet out on time. Yeah. That ball was gifted to Arsenal as well. I'm trying to remember what was Arsenal's second goal. Oh, the Smith Rowe one. That yeah. was a brilliant play from Arsenal yeah. running on and they were able to carve out the Chelsea defence open. That's one of the problems I've talked about um, tactically. See, I think one of the, aside individual errors, one of the major issues Chelsea have and which is what we didn't sort out in the summer is Look at the two best teams in the Premier League, which are Liverpool and Manchester City. Whatever order you want to arrange them, that debate will obviously forever be ongoing. But those are the two best teams in the league. They have two of the best defensive midfielders and people who break up play in the Premier League in Fabinho and Rodri. And these are players who are very mobile, very physical, are able to read the game properly and are able to connect the midfield to the attack. When you look at the profile of Chelsea's, or let, let me even stay with Liverpool and Man City, when you look at the profile of Liverpool's midfield, I'm, I mean, I'm not the one that's going to be giving your analysis on the profile of Liverpool's midfield, but when you look at someone like Fabinho, Henderson and Thiago Alcantara, in Fabinho, Liverpool have the guy that breaks up play and is able to get the ball to the likes of Alcantara. Alcantara is able to dictate play and then Henderson is the box-to-box guy that can drive. 
for Manchester City, they have Rodri in a similar mode to Fabinho. There's Kevin De Bruyne and there's Bernardo Silva. Those midfields complement each other. When you come to Chelsea, there is something missing regardless of the midfield three that you play. And the difference between that, you say that, okay, this is the same midfield that existed last season and tactically, it's still the same man. But when a team is under a new coach, it takes a bit of time for those who they are playing against and the opponents to be able to get a good hang as regards that. We've seen, I think it was the first leg against Brentford that Chelsea won by a goal to nothing. But Thomas Frank tactically was better than Thomas Tuchel in that game. Even though Chelsea were able to win by a goal to nothing, that's one of those performances that Edward Mendy had that was out of this world. But yeah. Chelsea were outplayed in the latter stages of that game. But what was the difference? Edward Mendy was in form and every shot that came towards him, he saved it. Chelsea are having those similar issues now, but the problem is Edward Mendy is not in the form that he was at the beginning of the season. At a point, he felt like anything that was coming into the defence, Thiago Silva was stepping in, he was able to intercept, he was able to read those ones. But when you've played the number of games that he has played at 37, eventually a bit of mental fatigue and physicality will drop generally, even if you're not a 37-year-old man. Yeah. So that is part of the reasons why Chelsea seem to be struggling yeah. at this point in time. They've played so many matches and a lot of those players were beginning to see errors. I think it's, it's something similar with a team that starts the season like a house on fire. I think we've seen that with a lot of promoted teams. Now, I'm not saying that Chelsea should be operating in the level of yeah. team. But you see some teams start at the beginning of the season like a house on fire and at the point it gets in November and December and the performances start to drop because those players cannot replicate those levels week in, week out. So does Thomas Tucker have to find something to do tactically? Yes, there has to be a bit of tweaking. But I think it's more of him being able to produce way out of what was expected from players who are not as complementary to each other as some of the other teams that he's competing against. Makes sense. Makes sense, actually. Makes sense perfectly. You've been very, very insightful as regards Chelsea and why they've been considering and what has happened. Lastly, before I let you go, I would love to know what you think about Rudiger's contract situation. Okay. Um, that's a very interesting topic because it has been an ongoing saga. What I would just... I think the first thing I would say is I completely understand Rudiger's stance. Totally understand. The reports we get is that he's on around £100,000 a week. Some say 90, some say 100. But he is obviously one of the lowest earners of the club. And when you take a look at his performances over the last 18 months, if it's solely based on his performances over all the players' performances over the last 18 months, he should be not just one of the highest earning defenders, he should be one of the highest earning players. Because very few players have done better than him since Thomas Tuchel. Now, if I'm Antonio Rudiger, I'm 29 years of age, and I know that the next contract I sign is going to be my last real huge payday. I'm not going to settle for less. Now, Chelsea started making discussions with Antonio Rudiger to sign a contract as far back as December, but the original offer felt like an insult to him. Obviously, because when you look at what some of the other players who are not performing well, Lukaku is on over 300k base wage. Timo Werner is earning over 250,000 pounds a week. 
you know that you are outperforming those players and you expect a whole lot of money. Now, what I'm hearing is that initially talks went on between Chelsea and Rudiger as far back as or as closely as early March and Chelsea offered as much as £230,000 a week, which was not a problem for Rudiger. The issue was the signing on fee and the agent fee. And his agent, who is his half-brother, yeah. felt like they should earn more signing on fee and more agent's fee. Before they could go back to the negotiation table to iron out those details, Chelsea got sanctioned and obviously Chelsea cannot progress with any contract situation. Now, Rudiger wants to make a decision on his contract as soon as possible. And before people say, oh, why is he in a rush? If the club gets sold at the end of the month, he can easily just get the money. They can go back to the drawing board yeah. and then they can iron out whatever kings. But the challenge is, what happens if he's injured right now? That's why he has not played the last two games. What happens if he gets a long-term injury? What happens if he plays a game and all of a sudden he gets an anterior cruciate ligament and is out for nine months? He will be without the contract and he will not have any club. What happens when he comes back from the injury and some people are reluctant to take a punt on him? So understand that he's in the twilight of his career. Well, maybe twilight is a strong word, but yeah. he's in the latter stages of his career and he needs to secure his future. The only people I will put this blame at is the Chelsea hierarchy. Because you let go of Fikayo Tomori, you let go of Kurt Zuma, you let go of McGurry, three promising centre-backs, and you kept Antonio Rudiger. The moment Tomori was let go of in, was that in 2020? Yeah. Then the 2020 or early 2021, you knew Rudiger's contract was going to expire by the summer of 2022. The moment you let go of Tomori, it meant that you were ready to stick with Rudiger. That is when you start the contract negotiation. Anybody what is sold knows that you do not allow a player's contract get into the final year. I mean, some of us that play FM, once a player's contract is in the final 24 months or sometimes even 30 months, you start negotiating. So it has been very poor squad planning from Chelsea and that is why they find themselves in situations that they are right now. Going into the next season now, what are Chelsea's centre-back options? As Filiqueta, who is obviously not as good as he used to be. I talked about the mistakes he made today. A 37-year-old Thiago Silva who has done superbly but is beginning to show a lack of pace and a few errors in judgment. You have a Malangsa who had a stinker against Arsenal, and you have a Trevor Chaluba who is still a young player that will make mistakes. Those are the centre backs that Chelsea have going into a season where they are supposed to be competing with the likes of Manchester City and Liverpool. This is a Liverpool side that, when their whole defence was ravaged last season, they still found a way to make it into the top four. So Chelsea have themselves to blame for the Rudiger situation, and they're going to have to fork out a lot of money to get one, at least one centre-back, if not two. And for Antonio Rudiger, he has interest from the likes of Bayern Munich, even though that one seems to be cooling. But after their exit from the Champions League, it looks like they're revisiting that. He has interest from Bayern Munich, he has interest from Real Madrid, PSG as well. Of course, he won't sit down there and, and wait for Chelsea, who are really sluggish in the beginning. Yeah. He'll decide to see whether he can get a new club. So it's it's that's it for Rigo, right? He's, he's leaving, right? Yeah, it's so. So I read something again today. I read an update today that said he could still sign with Chelsea. That is, if he doesn't get an offer from another club before Chelsea is sold. But that is there are too many ifs in that situation. 
I've mentioned four big clubs that want to sign Rudiger. Yeah. Three of them being Bayern, Real Madrid, and PSG. So what that means is if any of them come with good money, most likely Rudiger is going to go. Let's not even forget that he's been allowed to negotiate with Already. foreign clubs since January. Yeah. So the fact that he has not even signed a contract with another club, a free contract, is something of a bonus for Chelsea. But Chelsea's hands are tied until the club is sold and they've not even decided who the new owner will be before the Premier League will now officially start doing an owner's check. And because the Saudis just got Newcastle, that is probably going to take longer than the average owner's check. The earliest I see Chelsea being sold is maybe third week in May. Mm. By that time, anybody that wants a new centre-back and looks like Madrid are really, really lurking, they would have gotten a new centre-back. So if I were Chelsea, they should start finding a new centre-back. The problem is, you are hesitant to give Antonio Rudiger over £200,000 a week, which would have come to about £10.4 million per year in salary. If you're going to buy a new centre-back that is anywhere close to Rudiger, you're probably going to pay more than that 200. Worst case scenario, you'll pay £150,000 a week as salary and you're still going to pay a transfer fee. True. So all in all, Chelsea shot themselves in the foot. Mm. Kind of similar to what's going on with uh, with Mo Salah, even though the, the details yeah. are a bit vague. But... but the difference here is, for Mo Salah, see, I know the guys that you, that the, the players that you guys signed are not on the same level as Mo Salah. But guess what? If Mo Salah leaves today, and let's even say money leaves as well. A front three of Diaz, Yota, and okay, no, don't no, no, let me say money. If Salah and Femino leave, for example, a front three of money, Yota, and Diaz is very good. It's not as good as the front three with Salah and Femino, but it is not horrible. But if Chelsea move from the defense that won the Champions League to Chaluba and Sa or Aspiliqueta and Sa starting. It is a huge drop in quality. Mm. And which is why Chelsea needs to take a cue from clubs like Liverpool, especially as regards recruiting forward. Yota has integrated seamlessly into the Liverpool attack. So even when the likes of Mane don't get to start, if Yota is the one in the starting level, the drop in quality is not that much. I think I think Yota is the fourth highest goal scorer in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. If I'm not wrong, behind Salah, Son and Ronaldo now, yeah. he has 15 goals. For someone who has not started every single game, Diaz also has come in. This is what happens. Liverpool were buying midfielders before their best decided they are going to leave. Chelsea are waiting till their best defender is leaving before signing a new defender. How are we sure that the person that we sign in the summer is going to hit the ground running? We've seen players come from other leagues and struggle to adapt, need a year to adapt. So you buy a defender, he needs a year to adapt, and you're falling back on 34 and 37 year players. Really, really, really lazy squad pad. <laughs> honestly, you couldn't have said it better. Like, this is so fantastic. It's been so nice having you, honestly. Uh, thanks for coming on to the Domology. It's been a pleasure. We should do this some other time. Hopefully. When like we have the uh, what's it called? The the cup final. Let's see. Let's see how that one plays out. Yeah, that, 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 would, that would actually that would be a good one to run. That would be a good one to run. Honestly, do have a nice day. And you too. Be number one. Try to talk super podcast. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.